turn to Psalm 48. Psalm 48. And we will be spending a little bit of time talking about this psalm. This psalm, in my Bible, is labeled Zion, the city of our God. And this is also a song, and it also is written by the, not also, it is written by the sons of Korah. So this is not written by David. Psalm 48, a song about Zion. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion, in the far north, the city of our great king. Within her citadels, God has made himself known as a fortress. For behold, the kings assembled, they came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them there. Anguish as a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O God, so your praise goes to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go around her. Number her towers. Consider well her ramparts. Go through her citadels that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. And so the theme of this particular psalm is a theme of the presence and the blessings of God. And where is God? He is in the city of Jerusalem, which here in our psalm is called Zion. And so at the center of the psalm is the theme of the psalm. It talks about the psalmist's expression of confidence. And we read in verse 8, As we have heard, so have we seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, which God will establish forever. And so if we were listening to this psalm at the time when the sons of Korah wrote it, what would we be thinking about? We would be thinking about the city of Jerusalem. And that's what it was about. And so the psalmist points us to Jerusalem using four themes or four pictures. And we're going to take a look at each of those themes and pictures. But there is a much greater meaning to this psalm for us here today. And we will think about the heavenly Jerusalem. And so let's begin. The psalmist is declaring that the security of Jerusalem is not only something which he has heard, but it is something that he has seen. He has seen that the city of Jerusalem is secure. 
And why is it secure? The security of Jerusalem is because God makes her secure. And Jerusalem is secure is because God has made her his precious city. And Jerusalem belongs to God because God dwells in Jerusalem because his temple is there. So the psalmist gives us a picture. In verses 1 through 4, we see that God is praised. He's praised as the high king. And so we're thinking about God. He's the high king. When we talk about a high king, it means he's a king of kings. He is the high king. And Zion is the high king's capital city, Mount Zion. And this city is beautiful. It is high. It's built on top of a mountain. And it is fortified. On the top of the mountain is a fort. And when you think about a fort, you think about walls and you think about towers and so on. That's what Jerusalem, as he's describing here, is like. And the security of Jerusalem is not just because it's on a wonderful tall mountain. It's not just because it has the right location. It's not because the fortifications are the thickest that have ever been made and they're the tallest. The reason the city of Zion is so secure is because God himself has made Zion his stronghold, his fortress. And so the first picture is a very strong, secure city because God is there. And then we have a second picture. When we read verses 4 through 7, we got a little story. And the story is this. God defended this city from enemies. And so here we see an alliance of kings starting to gather in the valley below the city. And they want to take the city. And it might have been possible for them to take the city. Jerusalem has fallen several times, if we know from history, but not in this psalm. These kings approach the city, and God defended the city. We read that as soon as they saw the fortress, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. God destroyed them. He gave those soldiers fear. They were trembling with fear. And they fled. It says it was just like. They, it was just like they had suddenly were going to give birth and in terrible pain. They had to get out of there. It was just like they were a ship in the middle of the ocean. They were going to Tarshish, and a huge storm came and broke up that ship in the middle of the sea. That's what it was like. God protected the city of Zion 
If you were a soldier standing on the wall in Jerusalem and you were looking down and you saw that huge army approaching and you could see their war instruments that they were taking with them and how they were going to storm your castle, so to speak, storm the walls. And then you could see the fear come over those soldiers. You could see them turn around and leave. They didn't have to do any work. God did all the work. God secured the city. God protected the city. And then the psalmist gives us another picture. In verses 9 through 11, he says, let's just think for a minute. Let's think about God. And what are we going to think about God? What kinds of things? About what a great God he is, what a wonderful warlike God. He just protected us from our enemies. No. Think about God's love. Think about how God is caring for his people. Think about the righteousness of God, how God wants everything to be right. How God is a righteous judge. He never makes a mistake when he's judging his people. And this God is so full of love. He is so full of holiness. That is just a wonderful place to be in his temple with God. In fact, his name, because of his love, is known throughout the world. People know about our God. And we get to live in his fortress. We are living with him. People far, far away praise God. God is not a local God just hanging out in Mount Zion. God is God of the entire world. And then the psalmist turns the kaleidoscope, so to speak, again, and we get a fourth picture. And so this fourth picture is this, found in verses 12 through 14. He says, take a walk. Take a walk? Yeah. Take a walk around the city of Zion. And then take a walk around inside the city of Zion. Take a look. Pay attention, he says. Look at the fortifications. There are towers. You can climb up the tower. You can see all around. You can tell if an enemy is coming. You can see how the battle is going. Look at the ramparts. What's a rampart? On the wall of the city is like a sidewalk. You can walk around the city. It's just not a wall. You can be on top of the wall. Take a walk all the way around the city, on the wall. There are very few cities in this world that are left that have walls where you can walk around the city. But in Zion, 
you can take a look at all these ramparts so soldiers can stand on top of the wall and they can use their instruments, their arrows, whatever they're going to use to fight against the enemy who's coming against the city. Take a look at her citadels. The people who are soldiers, when they need a break, there's a place for them to be, a stronghold a place where they would be safe for the battle that's raging outside. That's what the psalmist is saying. Take a look around. It's a beautiful fortress. I don't know if you've ever visited a fort. Walls are thick. Very interesting to look around. That's what God is telling the people to do with Jerusalem. And then, as Salma says, the crowning feature of this entire fortress is one thing. And that one thing is God is there. God is in that fortress. And he's not only there now, he's going to be there forever and ever. He's never going to leave. He's going to defend this fortress for all times. You and the next generations are not going to have to worry. This kind of reminds us of what, what was <coughs> told to Moses. And we'll get to that in a moment. But here's the question I have. Doesn't Zion sound like a wonderful place to visit? But we're here in Lafayette, New Jersey, right? We're here probably uh, several thousand years after the time that this was written. If I went to Jerusalem today, I don't think I can walk around this city on a wall. In fact, the fortifications are rather minimal at this point in time. Should we be concerned that Jerusalem, which is built on Mount Zion, is the focus of God's redemptive work and his care for his people? And we would say, no, that makes no sense at all. Unless I have some very weird view of scriptures, which we don't. And so the answer to these questions comes from the New Testament. And we have spent quite a bit of time over the years looking at the book of Leviticus. Pastor Harrison did a series. And looking at the temple of the Old Covenant. And what is important about Leviticus is that all those symbols and all of the things that they did in the sacrificial system pointed forward. And they pointed forward to Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross once and for all. And so just as the Old Testament laws, the Old Testament sacrificial system was pointing forward to how Jesus Christ fulfilled the law and fulfilled the need for sacrifice, so we have this ancient earthly city of Jerusalem built on Mount Zion as a fortress, which it was in the days of King David and following. 
It's pointing forward to a heavenly Jerusalem. Paul writes in Galatians 4, verse 25. <clears throat> and we just have to remind you that this is we're breaking into a passage, but he's saying Hagar, who was that second wife of Abraham who got in trouble with his first wife, Sarah, and went into the desert and so on. He's saying, well, Hagar, she's like Mount Sinai in Arabia. Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Hagar is in slavery with her children? Yes, Paul is painting a picture. Hagar was not the rightful wife of Abraham in that her offspring were blessed forever. They were bound up by the law which was given on Mount Sinai. And so in order to get salvation, you would have to keep the law to be saved. You are not free from the law. But then Paul continues to write, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. And so all of a sudden, he is using the city of Jerusalem in a different way. He's saying there is a Jerusalem above. He is talking about a new Jerusalem. He is talking about a heavenly Jerusalem. And in that Jerusalem, we are going to be free. And so Jerusalem is a place where we no longer are tied down by sin. Our sins are forgiven. Jerusalem is our mother. She is the place where we have received our salvation. It is a spiritual and eternal home for all who have been made righteous through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then if we turn in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, in verse 22, we begin to get another picture. And Hebrews was written to persecuted Christians, especially those who were of Jewish descent. And Hebrews was written to encourage these Christians to not go back to Judaism, but to go forward in their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's telling them now, in verse 22 of chapter 12, but now you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What is the writer to the Hebrews trying to tell the people? 
what they are trying to tell them, what he is telling the persecuted Christian is that we are called to turn away from basing our salvation on keeping the law, but to turn in, in uh, Jesus, by God's grace, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the writer of the Hebrews describes the place where we are going to end up. And so if I was that persecuted Christian wondering whether I'm doing the right thing, the writer is saying, think about it. Here's where you're going to go. He says, you are not going to go to a place like this. And if we had read verse 18, we would have read, but you have not come to what might be touched, not a place that you can touch with your hands, Mount Sinai, where there's a blazing fire and there's darkness and gloom and a tempest. No, you're not going to go there. You are going to go to a very wonderful place, a heavenly place, a heavenly Jerusalem. The Jerusalem that is where you always wanted to be, but you knew no such place existed. And this heavenly Jerusalem is already populated. There's angels there praising God. In that heavenly Jerusalem, there are believers who have already died, and they're there. There's righteous people who have been cleansed by Jesus' blood. They are in Jerusalem. That's where you are going to go. And so the writer of the Hebrews is saying, look forward, don't look backward, to the new Jerusalem where you are going to be. And when this persecuted Hebrew heard this, his spirits would be lifted. This miserable life I'm living here is not going to be my lot forever. I'm going to be in this beautiful place with fellow believers, and I will be with God. I will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be joined with the righteous. And then let's take a look at one more picture that we're given in the Bible. And that is going to the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, we have a lot of pictures and some of them we don't really understand that well. But in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, I think we have a picture that is not just a picture, it is something that is real. And so John in chapter 21, starting in verse 1, says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. 
What a wonderful concept that is. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. We are not going to bump into God in the parking lot leaving church today. But in New Jerusalem, we will be there with God. We might bump into God in the parking lot, so to speak. We are going to be that near him. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Doesn't your heart yearn to be in the new Jerusalem? It's the kind of place you would go to in an instant if you had the opportunity. If someone gave you a ticket to heaven, wouldn't you take it? To the new Jerusalem? No strings attached. Here's your ticket. I would go in a flash. Oh, didn't God give you a ticket to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins? Have you taken it? Are you going there? We have something that is wonderful to look forward to, to be in the newness and the perfectness of the new Jerusalem and be there with God. This earthly Jerusalem that we read about in Psalm 48 pointed to and will be fulfilled in the heavenly Jerusalem. The earthly nation of Israel pointed to and is fulfilled in the church. Paul teaches that Gentiles who were considered aliens by the Israelites for most of the nation of Israel are now going to be considered citizens of Israel. And some Jews who used to be part of Israel are going to be excluded from the nation of Israel because God is only going to populate the new Jerusalem with God's true spiritual people, those people who have been saved by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Israel's history is in many ways our history, even if we don't have a Jewish blood in our veins, a drop of Jewish blood in our veins. Jewish history is our history. When we read about the history of Israel, we can see that it is looking forward to the time when the true Israel will be redeemed and brought to the new Jerusalem. And so Psalm 48 has significance to the ends of the earth. Like it mentioned, this is our God. Our God lives forever and ever and will guide us forever. The sons of Korah wrote a beautiful psalm. They had a promise. But they were thinking about Mount Zion, 
where Jerusalem was, and the hopes that they had that Mount Zion would be restored in some way to a very wonderful fortress with a temple in it. We sing about God in his heavenly temple, a place where we are going to live. And I think that place is going to be wonderful. Keep looking forward. Let's close our service today by turning in our hymn books to hymn number 552. And this should be the song that we sing in anticipation to going to the city of new, the city of the new Jerusalem or the heavenly Jerusalem. Oh Jesus, I have promised to serve thee to the end. And the answer to that promise is that God has promised to take you to the new Jerusalem, that heavenly Jerusalem so that you can be with him forever. 552.
grace to you and peace from whom from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of earth. Lord, we pray that you would give us your blessing 